Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 33 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week, I'm revisiting the chronic bee paralysis virus colony and chatting about my beekeeping as we draw to the end of our active season. Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Welcome once again to my weekly podcast, and my thanks to those of you listening via the Patreon page. I really appreciate your support. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a support page where you can help me create more content by signing up to one of my reward tiers, and in return, you gain access to additional content and support from me. These start from as little as $1 per month, so I believe with the regular quality content I'm producing, $1 represents excellent value for money. If you've not yet started beekeeping and you're looking for help and assistance, pop over to my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk forward slash get started and I'll do all I can to help you out with suggestions and recommendations for you. As usual, I'll leave any relevant links for this week's podcast in the show notes. Well, it's mid-September and beginning to feel like the balance of power has really shifted from summer to autumn. Temperatures have gradually been falling, but not so far as to stop the bees from being really busy. You can almost feel the urgency that they have in stocking up on the last of the late summer bounty. As I've mentioned in my recent videos, ivy is now the predominant nectar and pollen source locally for me. And it's a real double-edged sword, providing incredible amounts of pollen, but also nectar that sets solid and can give our bees a problem deep into the winter months. Anyway, I hope that wherever you're beekeeping, that you're enjoying the time with your bees. Of course, in the Southern Hemisphere, you guys are just coming out of winter and looking forward to a new spring and all the joys of the start of your new beekeeping season. And I wish you all the very best for the coming beekeeping year. One of the topics today is a catch-up with the colony that has chronic bee paralysis virus. You may remember that some months ago I noticed the infection and have followed a regime designed to help them recover, so I thought it would be good to recap on what CBPV is, what I've done, and how things are going with this colony. If you'd like to see what chronic bee paralysis virus looks like, pop over to my YouTube channel, The Norfolk Honey Company, and watch the video showing the visible signs and symptoms to look out for. It really is a horror show. So chronic bee paralysis virus is a single-strand RNA virus that infects our honeybees. It seems quite random as to which colony suddenly develops the virus, to the point at which it becomes apparent to the beekeeper. There are two visible syndromes to look out for, type 1 and type 2. Type 1 can be seen as bees that quake and shake on the top bars and comb. When you remove the roof and crown board, it's almost like they're doing some weird kind of waggle dance, but it's obviously not a waggle dance. Neither is it washboarding or bearding. Washboarding always looks like the bees have decided to perform some kind of line dancing move, and I've no idea what causes the bees to do it. I've only seen videos of washboarding, Never on my own bees, so I'm waiting for the day that I can record a video and show everyone. Anyway, back to my sickly colony, and it's only one colony out of nearly 70 colonies that has the infection to this level. 
I've recently had our National Bee Unit inspectors out to check the health of my colonies on just one of their regular inspections, and we only found two other colonies with just one bee in each of those colonies showing type 2 syndrome, and that in itself is a puzzle. Why just this one colony? They weren't under any particular stress beyond all the other colonies, so why is it just them? I'm still waiting to find out the answer to that one. So the colony in question was moved to an isolation apiary, that's my allotment apiary, and following conversations with Professor Giles Budge at Newcastle University, who's heading up a research group looking specifically at chronic bee paralysis virus, I followed a set process to try to give these bees a chance to recover. So this is what I did. I moved the colony 25 to 30 metres away from the stand and replaced the floor, brood box and crown board on the original position. So completely new clean equipment. I then caged the queen and I want to come back to talk more about the queen specifically in a bit. But she was then placed back in the new kit on the original stand. All of the bees were shaken off the brood frames into the air and the frames returned to the new brood box. I repeated this process a couple of weeks later. At this point the bees had quite a bit of brood and capped food stores in all of the brood box area. When our local bee inspectors came to visit, we found the brood box to be completely empty of food stores, and the colony were on the point of starving. Now, there could be a couple of reasons for this. Fewer bees meant the various duties required of the bees in the brood nest caused a sudden drop in the number of foraging bees, and so they had to use up the stores in the brood frames. Or it may have been that the wasps were able to get into the brood box and rob out the stores, although I don't think this was the case, as the cells were not chewed away as they are when wasps attack. What was interesting was the near-starvation lethargy that was exhibited by the bees. They were hardly moving, and it was obvious that it was a very close call. Anyway, I quickly added a bucket feeder with heavy sugar syrup, that's a 2 to 1 sugar to water ratio, and the bees were able to recover their energy fairly quickly. I did wonder if the near starvation situation would maybe have caused those heavily infected bees to die more quickly, as we have had quite a pile of bees both outside the hive and on the floor. I topped up the feeder just a few days ago as they'd taken all of that original syrup down and they were back to their normal rate of movement, that considering that they have CBPV. So the current state of play is this. The colony has reduced to the size of a nuke, but there are only a few bees now showing type 2 syndrome. And type 2 syndrome is where they're looking almost like black hairless bees. They look quite greasy and their wings are somewhat dislocated. There are still a high number of bees showing type 1 syndrome, the shaking movement, but the bees are more active and still bringing in a lot of pollen, and of course at the moment that's the ivy pollen. I really don't know if all the effort I've put in with this colony will ultimately be worth it. That does sound a little harsh now that I say it, and I don't mean it to be. I do care a great deal for all of my bees, and I hate to see them suffering like this. I really do want them to recover. But as a bee farmer with many colonies, am I putting my other colonies at risk, and other beekeepers' colonies at risk, by trying to help this one colony to survive? I obviously won't be using any of the equipment, such as the hive parts, anywhere else until they've been scraped and scorched properly. 
it's an important part of maintaining healthy colonies that any equipment that's reused is completely cleaned before being moved around. I think it's probably a lack of controls such as this that cause the vast majority of outbreaks of the various pests and diseases that our bees suffer from. If infected equipment is reused without precautions being taken, there can be little surprise when another outbreak occurs. I've seen it with both American fowl brood and European fowl brood during my time as a bee inspector, and I'm sure it happens with the less damaging pests and diseases too. To be honest, I'm as guilty as the next beekeeper, although I like to think I'm mindful not to allow these problems to develop. I recently messed up, and it just goes to show how quickly things can get out of control. At my sponsored apiary, the one with the Happy Valley Honey Langstroth Polyhives, I had a couple of colonies in commercial hives, and one of these became a drone-laying queen, which was almost immediately attacked by wasps. I think this year it's become a familiar story, weaker colonies falling foul of wasps. Anyway, I decided to leave this now dead colony to the wasps as it was distracting them from the other colonies in the apiary. And my thinking was that once the wasps died down, I could remove the hive and if there were any reusable frames, I could get them into nukes to build up their numbers more quickly. A couple of weeks passed and the wasps did their thing and I thought I would open up the box to see if there were any frames that I could remove and use elsewhere. What I was confronted with was a box full of wax moth. They'd pretty much destroyed any of the frames that could be reused, and all that could be done was to remove the hive and to burn the frames and destroy the wax moth. I hate to think how many wax moth must have flown out of the hive when I opened it up. Talk about making a problem for myself, but it just goes to show you how quickly things can get out of control. I'd like to think that I'll learn by my mistake, but who knows. So this season has been another roller coaster but I think I'm pretty much set for the coming months. The feeders have been on for a couple of weeks now, and the bees have been taking down the syrup very quickly. This can cause a problem for some colonies as they stuff syrup into every possible cell, giving the queen nowhere to lay eggs. I did pause feeding on a couple of colonies because of this, but when I returned, they'd moved the stores around the hive, and the queen was again laying a nice brood pattern, and I think this is probably the case for most colonies. They'll shove the syrup in where they can to start with and then go about the job of moving it around once they've secured it in the brood box. All of my national beehives have either been given a double brood or a brood and a half configuration. Brood and a half is simply an additional super that they can store syrup in and I'll move this below the brood box when I take off the feeders at the end of the month. That's the time that the varroa treatments are due to come out as well so it'll tidy everything up nicely in preparation for the coming colder weather. I'm just about to take delivery of more stock of the ProVap 220 oxalic acid sublimator. I'll be using this during the mid-winter period to treat the bees, and it's a lot faster than the previous method that I used of trickling the oxalic acid syrup over the seams of bees. Once we get into the dark months of winter, I'll go into a bit more detail about the ProVap 220, but if you'd like to check it out before then, please go over to my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk, and take a look at it there. So generally, I'm quite happy with the way things are looking for the autumn. Just a few more inspections of colonies that have new queens or might still need feeding, but I won't be carrying out weekly inspections on all of the colonies now until next spring. That seems like such a long way off right now. I will, of course, keep an eye on the colony with chronic bee paralysis virus, and again, I'll update you as we move into the winter to let you know how those guys are doing. 
And with any luck, between the podcast and videos, I can keep busy, keep you guys entertained, and sit out the time before we can again get back into the hives. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast. We'll catch up again next week. But until then, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. (laughs) 